Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, this is Trent Sutton with Wild Imaginings, and we are presenting you a fantastical history of Waco. Fabulous tales of dubious veracity, written by Ashley Bean Thornton. (laughs) Today's story, Lover's Leap. The original parcel of land, now known as Cameron Park, was donated to the city of Waco in 1910 by the family of William Cameron. One of the park's most famous landmarks, Lover's Leap, is a picturesque spot atop a limestone bluff overlooking the Bosque River. Lover's Leap was added to the park through a second donation in 1917. And while the story of the donation may not be one worth telling, the story of how this Waco landmark got its name is a tale as old as love and pain. So allow us to take you back to the world of Waco long before Waco was its name. Back to a world in which the Hueco tribe of Native Americans inhabited these lands. But our story isn't about the Hueco tribe. It is about a particular Hueco tribe member. A young girl named La Wati. You see, when La Wati was but a girl, the elders of her tribe saw that she had the spirit magic of the birds. Therefore, by order of the chief, she was apprenticed to the medicine woman. And just like that, her entire future was decided before she was even old enough to taste her first kiss. Lawati was to become the next medicine woman when her teacher crossed over to the spirit world. To be the medicine woman required great learning and great sacrifice. Most importantly, the medicine woman must keep her spirit pure. She would never be allowed to marry or bear children of her own. This is the life that was chosen for Lawati. In her tenth winter, under the orders of the chief and under the guidance of the medicine woman, she swore a solemn oath to live by these requirements. As she grew, Lawati was as beautiful outside as her spirit was on the inside. All of the young men in the village desired her. But without even trying, Lawati broke their hearts due to her unavailability to them. Despite her role, however, there was one young brave, Momi, who was perhaps the most handsome of the young warriors in the tribe, who loved her too much to allow her role to sway him. One night, as they were walking along the limestone bluffs in the moonlight, he confessed his deep love for her. Lawati, I know that it isn't fair, and I know that it isn't right, but I have something selfish that I need to say to you. You know that you can tell me anything. I love you, 
I love you too. No, you don't understand. I love you as far more than just my friend. Momi, what are you saying? You're the only one that I want, Lawati. You're beautiful, and you're kind, you're brave, and you're honest, and I want nothing more than for you to be available for me to court. Momi, you know that I can't... Tell me that you don't feel the same way. I took an oath. I am sworn... That's not what I said. Tell me that you don't love me, too. I have to think of our people, of the tribe. I can't... I think you do love me, too. It doesn't matter what I feel. It matters to me. Well, I wish it didn't. I have no say in the matter. My spirit was recognized as being at one with the magic of the birds. You know what that means. Your spirit is exactly why I love you so much. I love you, too. Lawati, I want us to be together. That is impossible. We'll talk to the chief. It won't matter. He'll release you from your oath. He won't. Well, maybe we'll make an oath to each other as well, then. And we'll see which oath proves more powerful. An oath of love? Yes, my love. And so it was that Lawati and Momi swore to one another that they would see their love for one another through, whatever that might mean. The next day... After returning to the village, Lawati begged the chief to release her from the vow she had made as a little girl. The chief, however, would not hear of it. No matter her pleas, he became angry and refused. Lawati, you made that oath before your tribe, both those with us now and your ancestors who have gone before. I will not release you from it. I made that oath in only my tenth winter. I had no idea what any of it even meant. You should be honored. The elders recognize the spirit of the bird magic within you. That is a rare gift, Lawati. One you should be proud to share. Why should I be punished for my spirit? Birds are meant to fly free, and yet you have caged me within an oath that I was too young to understand. You have heard my answer. I will hear no more of it. Who has more to offer? The bird that soars through the skies above, declaring its gift of freedom? Or the bird who with clipped wings whistles sadly from its cage? Lawati, be very careful what you- No! It is you who should have been careful. Lawati stormed out of the chief's shelter and ran from camp, leaving the chief to ponder what she had meant. Lawati went all the way back to the limestone bluff where she and Momi had declared their love for one another only the night before. It was here that Momi came to meet her. Through bitter tears, Lawati told Momi she could not marry him. Without being released from her vow, she felt it was impossible. And what about our vow? What about it, Momi? Does not the first supersede the second? What else can I do? Don't you love me? You know that I do. Then that is all I need to know. I love you too. Devastated by the news, yet satisfied with Lawati's answer to his question, the young brave threw himself over the edge of the cliff, choosing to die rather than live a life without his love. Horrified, Lawati summoned all her spirit powers that she had at her disposal. And as he was falling to the rocks below, she changed Momi into an enormous blue heron. With a beautiful long neck, a crown of handsome feathers, and graceful soaring wings. Before impact, the great bird flew up into the sky until he disappeared in the light of the moon. 
Unfortunately, this magic came at a great cost. Lawati died the very instant that Momi was changed into the heron. She had poured out her life spirit to make the magic needed to save her love. Who has more to offer? The bird that soars through the skies above, declaring its gift of freedom? Or the bird who with clipped wings whistles sadly from its cage? Lawati, be very careful what you- No! It is you who should have been careful. After that night, the fortunes of the Hueco tribe took a terrible turn. Their prosperous farming life was destroyed by a hostile tribe of Cherokee from across the river. Two tribes became bitter enemies as the warring Cherokee made life a misery for the Huecos with constant and fierce attacks. Yet even in the midst of war, passion cannot be denied. Somehow, even in the midst of war and destruction, Akule, the only daughter of the Waco chief, and Gola, a young Cherokee brave, fell in love. Both out for a walk one night, they happened upon one another atop a certain limestone bluff overlooking the Bosque River. In time, this became their secret meeting place. Night after night, they held each other in warm embrace against the cold wind of the enmity of their peoples. Falling in love more, with each passing day, the two made plans to escape together. Our only chance is to get out of here, you know. Then that's what we'll do. You're sure, though? Doesn't your tribe need its princess? About as much as your tribe needs one of its warriors. They have plenty of those. I'll hardly be missed. And the Hueco people won't last much longer under these attacks of your peoples. So, I'll hardly be missed either. Don't say that. It's true. I'm sorry. It isn't your fault. No, but it is my people's fault that you may soon be without a people. But that's why we must leave. At least we'll have each other. I wish there was something we could do. To stop the fighting? Yes. Well, maybe this is what we can do. What? Leaving? Yes. Maybe when we're gone, they'll realize what has happened and somehow recognize that there is more that brings us together than that separates us. Sounds like wishful thinking to me. True. But sometimes that's all we have. Tomorrow, then? Tomorrow. Come prepared. Until then, my princess. Unbeknownst to the two, however... Akule's father had begun to realize that his beloved daughter was sneaking out at night. This particular night, he had followed her to the secret meeting spot and had spied them in the moonlight. Enraged at what he saw, his only daughter caught up in the arms of his most hated enemy, he went back to camp, gathered his sons, and devised a plan for the following night. No Cherokee animal is going to put his hands on my daughter, on your sister, and get away with it. No, father. We will see to it that tonight is the last time he gets away with dishonoring our family in this way. We will go tomorrow night, and we will bring Akule home where she belongs. I don't know what kind of Cherokee charm that has been wrought on her, but it certainly cannot be of her own will that she return to him night after night. No, we will not allow our sister to be defiled by his hands. An example will be 
made, there will be one less Cherokee to face on the battlefield. The following night, Akule and Gola met at the Limestone Bluff, as they did every night, and this time prepared to leave and never return. Akule arrived first, and anxiously awaited the arrival of her love. After what seemed an eternity, but was in reality only moments, Gola appeared in the moonlight. The two embraced atop the cliff, but before the two had even let go of one another, Akule's father and brothers had cornered the couple against the edge of the cliff. Father, don't! Akule, step away from him! I don't know what he's done to you, but this ends tonight! Father, you don't understand! Sister, this Cherokee holds no love for you! He has cast some spell on you! We will not allow our sister to be taken advantage of in this way! His name is Gola! I I love him! That isn't true! It's true! I love your daughter very much! Shut up, you! Daughter, step away from him. Now! I won't! Do you see these packs? We came here tonight to leave. We love each other, and we were going to leave tonight. Father, if you love me, you'll let this be goodbye. Father, did you hear he was going to take her away? Not tonight he won't be. Enraged at what he heard, the chief threw his hunting knife directly at Gola's heart. Gola leaned backward over the edge of the cliff to avoid the knife. As he did, Akule grabbed his hand. But he leaned too far and was caught off balance. And so, hand in hand, the two fell together. A great cry ripped from the chief's throat as he saw his only daughter drop from sight. Distraught, he rushed to the edge of the cliff to see if by some miracle she had survived. But just as he and his sons peered over the edge, he heard the beating of wings. Swooping up from the river below, an enormous blue heron, with a beautiful long neck and a crown of handsome feathers, soared upward on graceful wings, the two young lovers astride its powerful shoulders. The great bird flew up into the sky until all three disappeared in the light of the moon. La Wati. Who has more to offer? The bird that soars through the skies above, declaring its gift of freedom? Or the bird who with clipped wings whistles sadly from its cage? La Wati, be careful what you... No, it is you who should have been careful. Thank you for joining us today for A Fantastical History of Waco, a podcast brought to you by Wild Imaginings. We have a lot of other great projects besides this podcast. If you want to check out the work that we're doing, please head to wildimaginingswaco.com. See what we're doing, and if you have an idea of your own, let us know. We love working with people, just like we did here at Rogue Media Network, and Ashley Bean Thornton, the author of these wonderful stories. Join us next time for another fantastical story. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.